Welcome to Creative in Tech. Powered by Reed Speaker. Technology is constantly evolving, and the companies that adapt win. In this podcast, you'll hear from companies and thought leaders across various verticals who blend the art and science in one of the biggest growing spaces in technology, conversational AI. You'll hear how they're creating the touchtone experiences that will define the next generation of customer strategy. Join me, Carrie Roberts, your host for this podcast and the brand evangelist for North America at readspeaker.ai as we explore the intersection of creative and tech. Welcome to Creative and Tech, a podcast show powered by readspeaker.ai. I'm your host, Carrie Roberts, and I'm the brand evangelist for North America at Reed Speaker. And this show is all about highlighting the various brands, organizations, and people that are creatively using one of the fastest growing spaces in technology, artificial intelligence, including things like conversational AI, voice technology, and more. Today, we're talking about AI in governments and nonprofits. And I am super thrilled to have Brett Davidhoff joining us from South Africa he is the manager of network experience and innovation at Harambe Youth Employment Experience. Welcome, Brent. Thank you for being here. Kerry, wonderful to be here with you and all our listeners and watchers. Yes. So I want to start with you personally first. I know that you went to school for psychology many years ago. You've done a variety of things. What got you into kind of this government nonprofit space and even just the innovation space in general? Yeah, I, I've been fortunate enough to have like a, a varied experience. Uh, in Harambe, we talk about the zigzagging pathways. So I've been in education, in retail, and like you mentioned, I, st- I studied industrial psychology. And, and it was probably worth just the one book that I was introduced to uh, by Michele Chixmihai, uh, a book called Flow. And um, I think I was introduced then just to this um, the confluence between human beings and them in motion. So industrial psychology is kind of as opposed to just in a therapy room. It's like well, when we're doing things, how do, what does that look like and how do we bring out the best of ourselves? So in education, um, obviously, conversation is the mo- main modality actually of education. And even in the retail space, um, when someone walks into a store, they are having a conversation with your brand, obviously also with, with the, your customer service. Um, and then, I, you know, I just, I have a strong calling to purpose and I'm very fortunate enough to have found myself um, actually back at Harambe. Uh, my first job was at Harambe as a facilitator and um, I've made my way back. I'm a return customer and, um, I, you know, I just, I'm so grateful to be able to work um, with purpose and with people who are committed to, to the same thing. Um, and so I think it's, it found me. Um, I put it out there and this work has found me. I love that. I've read that book as well. Uh, the flow book is amazing. And I think it's, it's great to just talk about that in our conversation as a whole. So as we mentioned, you are in South Africa and I'd love for you to kind of talk about the landscape of South Africa in terms of artificial intelligence. Is it something that is being used and how so just in general? Um, what are you kind of noticing and seeing just either from your own research or your own experience? 
Uh, yeah, so I'll speak from my own experience. I think that in true artificial intelligence style, we talk about a very decentralized um, progression of, of artificial intelligence and how, how it's used and how it's spoken about. Two different things. Um, and so, I mean, how it's used, look, just being um, a person that any, we use social media, and so we've got WhatsApp, we've got Facebook, we've got TikTok. Um, and so anyone that's using that is engaging with artificial intelligence. Um, and so part of the work is to raise the awareness of, you know, what do you want your algorithm to look like? And just bringing into conversation, like, um, what's the state of play with technology and the way it is currently? Now, of course, you, there's a lot of conversation around the, um, our president, Sora Maposa speaks about 4IR, the fourth industrial revolution. Again, a thing we speak about and what does it actually mean? Well, know that artificial intelligence has a role over there. Um, and certainly at the very basic level of a digital literacy. And I think that we've got a strong focus now, quite a consolidated focus on making sure that there's just a basic digital literacy of how, how can I make use of um, technology um, how can I make the best use out of my phone? How can I make use out of, you know, what coding languages are out there? Um, in the, and this is both in the NGO space, government and private business. So you, um, we've got quite a few NGOs who are using WhatsApp to engage with their customer base and provide support during this time. And I think we saw that also with the government when COVID came upon us. Um, COVID protocols, information, support resources. There were some um, WhatsApp services that were put out that were able to reach a lot of people at the same time. Um, and then absolutely, like um, from what I've seen in the customer experience space, in the business process outsourcing call centers, um, the AI is slowly making its way more and more um, into Everything from, we'll chat about the voice analytics, voice to text, slow, much slower text to voice, um, and um, omni-channel communications a lot through, through WhatsApp. Um, but we're in our beginning days, and I think that the biggest barrier is just internet connection, connectivity. So it's like, let's start there, and let's have power. Like, let's be able to charge your phone. Let's start there. Let's make sure people can do that. Let's make sure you can connect to the internet and not spend so much money that you can only go on it like late at night when data, when I say data, I mean the cost to connect um, is far cheaper. So, um, and, and I know for us as Harambi, um, the scale of the problem of youth unemployment in the country is so huge. Um, we talk about every year a million young people enter the job market without a job to find. So we have to use the very best that technology has to offer. So we're bringing in recommendation systems. I'll give you just one quick stat. Um, if the moment someone uses more than 38% of their income on transport, they are, um, um, or they are like 60% more likely to drop out of that job in the first um, month because they cannot afford transport costs. So the first thing we have to use our artificial intelligence recommendation engine is where do you live 
let's find a job close to where you live. Let's make sure you don't have to take more than like one taxi to work, one form of public transport to work each day. So there's a lot of work going on uh, and a lot of wonderful people trying to bring the best of the technology here in all, in all spaces. Well, I thank you for sharing that. I think, uh, like you said, every country around the world has different pros and cons and different issues. And I think here in the United States, we don't think about access to internet being a challenging thing. But as you said, you know, we have to fix part of that problem. And then, you know, to what your organization does, being able to have transportation available. So that's that's kind of an interesting thing to note from a cultural standpoint. Can you talk a little bit about what your organization does from a whole? And I'd love for you to kind of dive into kind of your role, how you're using innovation and AI and conversational AI to help these young people be able to feel good and be able to find the jobs that they need. Beautiful. So Harambi has come a long way. So we've been around uh, or just over 10 years now. We started out 40 young people in a room with three committed employers who said, we want to be able to employ young people. And one of the biggest issues is that they don't have experience. So Harambi came along and said, um, we're going we're gonna to bridge that gap. We're going to take them through some sort of like um, work, a work simulation experience where the focus is on the behavioral elements, how you, how you respond to upsets, to difficulty. And, um, and that way we started um, getting a lot of young people employed. That's not the way you're going to change a system, 40 young people in a room for a month at a time. So we had to think about, well, how do we scale this? How do we scale this idea of committed employers and young people who have got the right attitude, uh, but don't necessarily have the skills? So as Harambi, we tried to, um, first of all, I think on a system level, we're trying to break down the barriers together with partners. So speaking about the data cost issue, how can we, how can we partner with the right people in the ecosystem to break down that barrier? Um, when it comes to um, gender-based violence, how can we work with the right partners there to make sure that a young woman isn't worried of going to work, um, you know, getting transport to work? We are actively growing our network. Uh, we've got about 1.6, just over 1.6 million young people part of our, our network, or the SA Youth Network. And we're just trying to make sure that they can signal to employers without even necessarily a CV, what they're really good at and they can feel seen. So we work with them throughout the system. We've got our platform where young people can join and we've got private employers and government that um, essentially uses us as like their recruitment network um, for, for young people right now. We've got a campaign going on uh, where we're going to place 50,000 young people in um, COVID screening positions at, at schools. So that's the, the, there's so many moving parts in Harambi and we're always just trying to be as responsive as possible to what the need is. As our CEO, uh, Mariana Skander says, you've got to fall in love with the problem, not with your solutions. So Ooh, when say you that again. Say that again. That was really good. You gotta, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. So it's um, got to fall in love with the problem and not your solution. So, you know, in that way, we become very attached to our solutions. 
And that often can get in the way of us seeing and responding to what the problem actually is. And when we can change that mindset, it allows for a lot more partnership because you can say, you're passionate about the same problem. Well, let's get together. Let's have a conversation. Um, now, um, in my work, um, I think similar to that, uh, in network experience, essentially, I'm just thinking about that young person every single day, just that, just that one person. And that one person at scale, uh, their, their experiences and what is their pain and what are their aspirations? Um, and always making sure we bring back all this incredible work we're doing to that young person, their daily experience and their story and the millions of other stories that are, um, you know, unique and similar in different ways. So uh, we've got in our network experience, we've got different channels of engaging with our young people, with our network, we've got social media, uh, where, you know, this morning I just demoed how to reset your password. Um, and, it, you know, there was like, um, we use that as an opportunity to engage people who need that help, but then also to provide advice and guidance at the same time. Um, so we've got social media and then we've got our contact sector, our SA Youth support line. It's a toll-free line. Pick up the phone, you call, we, they call guides. So not contact center agents, they call guides. And it's a wonderful saying of being the guide on the side and not the sage on the stage. So when you call one of our guides that you're going to be speaking to a young person, similar to you, who's just a couple of steps ahead. And the idea there is to empower our guides with, for them to make them like super recommendation engines, human recommendation engines that they get like the best data points about the person that's calling and very quickly can see like, okay, this is what this person might need at this stage right now. Um, so they are using, you know, whether it's knowledge-based management, um, whether it's our own internal like kind of chatbots, whether it's them learning from feedback we've given them because of um, our ability to monitor the conversations with keywords that come up. Um, and then we also have our WhatsApp, um, our WhatsApp bots and other kind of conversational agents that we use, which I'd say we use them as learning experiences. So imagine you're a young person at home, you haven't got much to do, stay at night, and um, you can chat to one of our WhatsApp bots and learn about micro-enterprise, starting your own side hustle, um, emotional intelligence. And the idea there is how can we make all of these conversations coherent? And you just feel like you're in conversation with the same, same organization the whole time. Sure, coherence, language, of tone. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much, it's quite broad, but that's what, that's what that's, uh, my team and I focus on. I'm so excited. I think it's, you know, being able to use technology for good is something I think so many strive for. And it's wonderful to see your organization doing that in such a big way. And you had, uh, you had said to me, I'm just finding uh, your little quote here, um, that uh, when you were talking about uh, conversations, that the dream is to create amazing phone conversations at scale, no typing, just feeling understood. And I really, I personally resonate with that. And I think when we talk about conversational AI, you know, 
that's part of it. It's not just a cool technological technological thing. It's how do we create a conversation that feels human-like and feels like the person feels understood and it's helpful. Can you kind of expand on that concept and kind of either, you know, the, the vision for the organization or just your personal vision in how you feel about that? Totally. Um, when, when I think of that word of going to scale, I don't think about like what we take into scale. I think about who we take to scale. And I think about um, we've got these, got these wonderful guides and coaches. How do we take, you know, Tumi Shang, let's say, someone, she so, has such incredible empathy. She's got her own unique personality. How do we take, how do we take Tumi Shang to scale in a way that um, so many more young people can actually speak to her and, and get advice because she can only speak to one person at a time? The most robust technology at the end of the day after radio is the phone. And even if I have a very basic phone, it's not a smartphone, maybe it's just a feature phone, don't have internet connection, can still make a call. And um, think that if we can get to the level where people are having conversations about what they need, they feel like they have someone to talk to, they can have what I call a DMC, which is a deep, meaningful conversation that um, also that they feel understood. They feel heard and they feel seen. I've seen that a lot of the young people we speak to haven't thought about themselves as being important and they need to have someone to tell them that they're important, that they matter. And we can only speak to so many people. So we can find ways um, of taking those conversations that anyone can have them at any time. You can speak about goal setting, something I'm really passionate about. Um, you can speak about, so just get, how do I reset my password? But then you get someone, you get that other voice saying, once you reset your password uh, and you get access, like what, what are you looking for? Um, what's, what's your plan? And then I get a call back in a couple of days' time to check on me and say, how are you doing? Uh, did that work for you? And is there anything else I can help you with? Um, I think that that's not only a nice thing. I think that people deserve that. Um, and so in some ways it is a dream, but I can see um, not only my own personal vision, but I, I can see the work that we're doing is, is, is slowly getting there. It's building up to it. I, I'm, I think so much about just a, a call, the power of a call, someone checking up on you. Um, it's so powerful and it's uh, more accessible than any app, any web app, anything. It's just the power of a phone call. Oh, you're making my, I'm so excited. <laughs> this is something, again, I, I personally feel so passionate about. And I think so many people in uh, the conversational AI space, you know, they, a lot of them come from a creative space and really thinking about it this way. Um, I know you and I were talking offline a little bit about, you know, you do a lot with chatbots and, and wanting to do more with voice. Um, you know, you talked about some of the obstacles right now, but one of the things you had said was some of the languages, that there's multiple languages that are spoken. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what are the challenges to add more voice conversational AI? Um, and what can we maybe kind of do to overcome that so that we are having these conversations with, a voice. Someone can speak and then a voice can speak back. Yeah, so 
we've got 11 official languages in South Africa. Um, and while the majority of young people can speak English to varying degrees, there's nothing like just being able to speak in your home language and your mother tongue. That's when you feel most comfortable. Um, so I know that there's, again, like academics and people in this field, in the NLP and um, AI, conversational AI world, working with how can we use smaller data sets um, of, uh, you know, of, of these languages to train up, first of all, just natural language processing understanding so on, a, on a level of just like chat-based conversation. And, and it's going to be um, mixed in. So sometimes it might be a bit of English, might be a bit of Kosa, uh, it might be, um, might come into it. So those are complexities um, that we need to bear in mind when, uh, you know, and I think that the more technology develops that we can use smaller uh, data sets for training, the easier it will be for us to um, work with these different languages. Now, when you talk about um, uh, text-to-voice, I would love to see the possibilities. Um, I think that we're still far a few steps. I think Read Speaker, you guys are, are conquering the way ahead and you're going to get there. I know it's when it sounds natural and uh, we can get a South African sounding voice, a young, cool person that's relatable. Even if it's in English, they just like, kind of feel that this person knows what I'm talking about. Um, so I think that um, we've got to, the people that are at the forefront of developing, um, and I mean, like, like I said to you, Kerry, the way we started engaging at first was you put out a survey out there um, and you genuinely want to know from people what they need and rather than making assumptions. And uh, I think that if we can have people in the field doing more of that, we'll make a lot of progress. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there are so many languages around the world, let alone dialects and let alone, I even think in the U.S., you know, people speaking English, but I'm from New Jersey, someone's from Georgia, someone's from Texas. And the kind of um, uh, local words that we use that are different. And so there is so much that goes into a language in general. And then you look at it from a technology standpoint. And that is a lot of what ReadSpeaker does. What we do, as you mentioned, we do so much research on the human language and then how do we put that and translate that into a text-to-speech voice. And, you know, we have the ability to create these customized voices. And so, like you said, you know, the young woman that works for you, the ability to have her voice be one of those things is fabulous. Um, and so that is something we continue to push and do. But it's also, like you said, you know, there also needs to be, okay, the right data set. And how do we have now the uh, voice to text? And how do we add all these things in? And I think as we see the world going in a more uh, AI conversational AI place, we're going to see that increase. And I just love the work that your team is doing and how much you've done so far from not only a technological standpoint, but also a human standpoint and to see that continue to grow. Do you find that the people that interact with your chatbot um, versus with an actual person, do they have a different feel or they're just grateful to be able to have any type of conversation, any feedback, I'm curious, from, from their perspective? 
just, it's incredible what good conversation design can do. Um, so even with the limitations that we spoke about of language, uh, of natural language, I think that really the key still is in the way that you write and the way you understand human beings, uh, the kind of questions you ask, the kind of affirmations you give. Um, in a recent uh, pilot we've been doing with um, a conversational agent, um, it's almost like a virtual coach um, that helps with goal setting. It helps with mindfulness. And, and this was a big one for us. Um, mindfulness is amazing research about what mindfulness does for well-being. I practice like, for me, it's like medication, practicing mindfulness. Um, but how does that translate? How does that translate? What happens if like um, you're, you're just trying to have enough money to buy a meal? Okay. Are you going to be interested in mindfulness? Um, are you going to be interested in doing gratitude journaling? And I think that um, through this project that we've done, it's amazing to see how um, 80% of the young people who participate in the pilot wanted to do mindfulness every morning. <laughs> and just small doses of it and spoke to how it cleared their mind for the day ahead and gave them a sense of improved well-being. Um, and the coach facilitates with that. Um, then um, even the gratitude journaling, um, it's amazing to see, um, I think, just helping people have conversations with themselves. Um, so, like, this coach comes along and just shows that it's interested, affirms what you say. And let's say we had, um, I think her name was Cynthia, one of our users. She wanted to ask the gratitude question she wanted to answer was, have you helped someone recently and how did it make you feel? Um, so she said, um, yesterday, my neighbor couldn't pay her rent and the landlord was about to uh, throw her out and I managed to help her find enough money to stay in um, her house for another month. And um, I'm just so happy that we had like this, this virtual coach that she deserves to write that out and to acknowledge how amazing that is. And uh, just for her to write that out and say, it, and it felt really good. It felt really good. So they're opening up. Um, and I can see actually when people are in the comfort of their own home, um, maybe it's again like late at night, early in the morning, they're in their own comfort zone, people open up incredibly people open up incredibly. And in fact, uh, you've got to make sure you remind them that this is actually a chatbot. Um, but still, nonetheless, uh, we've got feedback to say like, I'm, I'm alone at home and I feel like I've got a friend to chat to. Um, and that's without, the strength there really is in the automation. And I think one of the, um, what we've seen is that the ability to remember people is so important. So if, if it, if, um, with, you know, it's certainly a guide, a human being, but if a chatbot can come along and say, yesterday, or the, you know, whenever we last spoke, this is what you told me. How are you doing on that? This is how you felt. Someone's like, oh, do you remember? Wow. Um, and that like opens hearts, opens hearts, opens minds. Um, and so I've, it's been amazing. It's actually been a surprise for us to see um, if you engage people with respect, respect their time, uh, you, um, really just try to be authentic and kind and so like encouraging 
you can get people to really engage quite um, authentically and be honest about themselves. And sometimes um, even more so than what someone will say on the phone. Uh, the value of what you have when it's someone on the phone, uh, one of our guides actually speaking to them, guides have their own personal experiences that they can relate to. They, they can say, I know exactly what you're going through right now. Uh, a year ago, I was in the exact same situation. And that's the human touch. That's the human touch. So it's, it's amazing to see that um, the co- conversation, conversation holistically holds something that is in of itself valuable. And then just finding these different mediums to, to bring that to people um, and knowing the pros and cons of each and what you can do with each one. Yeah, beautifully said. I think like you said, some people get nervous that AI is replacing humans. It's not. It's scaling it. And just like you said, there's different purposes and different uses for each interaction. And they all hold meaning as long as we're kind of thinking human first and then being able to use the technology if needed. So I, again, really nicely said. Do you have maybe one tip that you would give any type of government or nonprofit when they're thinking of, okay, how can we use conversational AI to scale, enhance, improve our interaction with the people that we work with? Sure. Uh, I mean, first of all, if you're watching this, you're really doing the right thing. So if you're part of an NGO government and you're watching this, um, it, it shows your curiosity. And I, I would say that, like, be curious and play, play, because um, it's amazing how much is out there without needing to code. Chances are that whether it's um, in a school, some far-flung government department or an NGO, you've probably got a young person there working your team just empower them to go and play and explore the tools out there. Um, and don't be intimidated. Don't think that AI is something that's like, um, I think it's important that we frame it's like smart technology that is there to make life easier. It's got to make life easier for you. Um, and very practically, like, get access to GPT-3. Let it help you get rid of your writer's block so you can write blogs and um, you can start writing briefs and use technology to make your life easier and whether it also be with YouTube and they all have incredible analytic tools so you can see the subconscious conversation of how people are watching your videos use those tools use those tools to um, see what's working where people are engaging or not so doesn't have to be fancy. I think um, there's, and it's open source. Like before you pay for something, play. Before you pay, play. Got some good one-liners today, Brent. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing not only the exciting work that the organization is doing in general, but also how they're using AI and just your passion for it as well. If people want to learn more about anything we spoke about, they want to connect, where's the best place to do that? So you can go to um, Harambi, so that's H-A-R-A-M-B-E-E, it's harambi.org.za, pretty sure that's it. Um, if it's not, it's hortz.co.za, got to double check that, sorry to you. Um, but, um, but I'd say to really get a sense of it, go to sayouth.mobi, so sayouth, 
um, letter S, letter A, youth.mobi. And that is like our customer first feature um, our platform. But if you want to find out more about Harambi, you can also just look them up on LinkedIn, Harambi Youth Employment Accelerator um, or Harambi, yeah, it's harambi.co.za, harambi.co.za. Perfect. Well, I thank you so much, Brent, for being here today, sharing the great work you all are doing. And I look forward to hearing more and certainly how AI helps to scale all the ways that you are helping young people in South Africa. Thank you, Kerry. Really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. If you are watching and listening, don't forget to subscribe to our Read Speaker AI YouTube channel, as well as our audio podcast called Creative and Tech, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Creative and Tech. Want to learn more about conversational AI, text-to-speech, or be notified of our upcoming episodes and events? Learn more at readspeaker.ai.